Welcome to the City Confessions. I'm Marianne Yip, a native New Yorker, and I'm here to discuss all the thoughts that go to the minds of people living in New York City. Since I'm a native who was born and raised in a city that never sleeps, I come across people who are constantly in a rush. I would like to take a moment to sit down and talk about what's on their minds and what keeps them up at night. So sit back and let's dive into these confessions of people I know and people I just met. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of the City Confessions. Today, we are joined by the lovely Allison Hall. She is a reporter for Insight Edition and also the anchor of Law and Crime. I'm so excited to have you, Allison, because I've never spoken to an actual reporter and I've never had a reporter on my podcast. So hi, how are you? And welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's so fun to be here. We don't really know each other. We had a brief encounter, as I mentioned, prior to recording. It was a very spontaneous uh, situation for me. I was in a salon and there was like a last minute, I guess, story about curtain bangs. So I don't think that actually aired, but it's okay. But we are connected today. So why don't you introduce yourself to my listeners? Tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sorry that that uh, story (laughs) never aired. Um, It would have been a very cute one. I love the curtain bangs that we shot when we met you that day. Um, So I uh, am Allison. I am a reporter, as you said, an an anchor. Um, And I've been in the TV business for uh, almost 10 years now. Um, And my day job basically is I am a producer reporter at Inside Edition. So um, we're a daily show and we report on breaking news, but also trends, hence the curtain bangs. Um, so basically our slogan and how we develop each story is the things that people are talking about. So, you know, during 2020 and 2021, people were getting curtain bangs. That was a story. Or, you know, what are people doing in their quarantine? Also talking about vaccines being developed and and all of that sort of like hard news of the matter. But um, we also talk about all of the stuff like around a news story, um, which is something I really love about my job because it's not um, super typical. It's not like just what you're going to get from some other media outlets. Um, There's just always more to the story. That's another one of our slogans. Um, and so that's what I do. And then I also, um, I've sort of carved out this niche for myself and inside edition, um, I started covering court cases a couple of years ago. Um, it started with a Bill Cosby case in Pennsylvania, like six years ago or five years ago. Um, and I was sent as a producer and then as sometimes happens, uh, in TV, the reporter who was supposed to be coming, um, you know, was late stuck in traffic and we had to get the show on the air, So because I was sitting in the courtroom every day working on the case, um, they threw me in front of the camera and I started reporting on what was going on inside the courtroom. Um, And I did a good enough job uh, and had taken really detailed notes and had really immersed myself in the case. So they asked me to do it again and again and again. And then I kind of became the de facto court reporter um, for Inside Edition and Long Crime Notice, which is a... um, 24 hour full time only covers 
court cases and legal and crime drama stories. Uh, they um, noticed me and asked if I would host a show every week um, talking about all of the most important legal stories uh, going on across the country. So I balance the two right now and it's very busy, but very fun. Ooh, I love hearing that. Okay, so that's so interesting, but I would love to know, can you give me a quick background of you? Like, did you grow up in New York? Did you study journalism? What has that journey been like? Yeah, um, so no and yes. Um, <laughs> so I grew up in Canada. I was born um, in British Columbia. Uh, and then my family moved to Winnipeg when I was in elementary school, which is right in the middle of the country. It's sort of above um, Minneapolis. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm the youngest from a family of four. And I always had fairly large dreams. I always wanted to either live in New York or LA. Um, and for a long time, I wanted to be an actress. Mm. Um, and in high school, in Winnipeg, you know, there actually is a pretty um, bustling film scene there now. Um, but it was generally pretty hard to um, pursue my like passion of acting and, and being on camera and performing. Um, and I was also really, really interested in academics. And I always did really well in school. And my mom said to me one day, like, as I was trying to figure out what uh, to do for university and where to go and what to pursue and whether it would be theater or what what it could look like. Um, my mom said, well, you know, she literally was watching the news and was watching a female reporter um, report the news. She's like, that seems like something that you could do. That seems like it's a marriage between your love of performing and your love of academics and like re your research and your writing and you're really like immersing yourself in I was always like would become obsessed with books that I was reading for school or I I, I just always really cared a lot about things um and so she just sort of pointed to this reporter and it was like a light bulb went off and I went oh my god yeah like how have I never thought about this before I thought the only way that I could have this career performing was to be an actress. Mm. Um, so I applied to journalism schools across Canada and I ended up going to Ryerson uh, in Toronto, which has now actually recently changed its name. Um, it's now Toronto Metropolitan University, um, but they have a really incredible journalism program. It was very hands-on. Uh, and so I went there, I, I moved um, away from Winnipeg and moved to Toronto and instantly fell in love, like just absolutely loved this program and career that I had chosen for myself. Like I knew that it was the right thing and I didn't miss acting at all because I was able to, you know, you're not acting when you're on TV, mm -hmm. but there's a, a, a real element of performance. Right. Um, and so I, um, from there, I always knew that I wanted to be in New York by that point. Um, and I wanted to work in like the American market. I grew up watching like, all, I mean, Oprah, obviously, mm -hmm. um, but even Barbara Walters was an idol of mine. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's a miracle that I didn't think about being a journalist before my mom pointed it out because literally I would be like a 10 year old watching Barbara Walters specials. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was always so fascinated by, um, her interviewing style and so once I really honed in on wanting to be a journalist and wanting to get to New York it was my dream to intern for her and to intern at ABC 
So in university, I applied to a million internships in New York and was so lucky uh, in getting one at ABC um, and at 2020 and directly with Barbara Walters. And so I worked there. I ended up actually working there for two semesters, one summer, and then I came back the following winter semester um, and just loved it. Like I, I took a bus down overnight for my interview. Um, and I think that's also one of the reasons I got the internship because most of the interviews were virtual and I was like, you know, Toronto and New York are like 10 hours away mm -hmm. from each other. And I didn't have enough money for a plane ticket, but they had said, oh, like, when can you set up a phone call with the person who's going to interview you? And I said, no, I'll be there in person. And they were like, no, 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 a phone call is fine. And I was like, no, I will be there. And I took an overnight bus down uh, and did an in-person interview and just really hit it off with like mm -hmm. the intern coordinator. Um, and I just fell in love with the city. Like I always had a feeling that I was going to love it. Um, but I remember that first day that I came down for my interview so vividly. I was only here for 24 hours. Like, I didn't have enough money to stay mm -hmm. here any longer. I had a random tiny hotel room in the middle of Midtown. And I like made a vow to myself that day. Like, even if I don't get this internship, I will live here. I will make this work. And then thankfully I got the internship and it just set me on the path of basically being here ever since. Oh, I like kind of got goosebumps hearing your story just because I feel like you just had this mindset of like, no, isn't really an option, even though you said, okay, even if I don't get this job, you know, I'm going to be in New York City, but I feel like you were just laser focused on your career path and your goals. And I always feel like that's what New York is all about. Like not everybody can survive in this city, but it does attract a certain type of personality. So I'm just like so inspired by your story. And I actually wanted to be a journalist when I was younger too. But one thing that I didn't really like, and I would love to hear your input, is that do you find that you have to be somewhat detached with your emotions? Because that was like a really hard part for me. Like I'm super empathetic. I'm very like emotional. And I remember in school in Syracuse, we had to do like assignments. And I would always put kind of like my my thoughts on it, right? And my teacher would always be like, you need to report just on the facts. And of course we get it. Every news reporter should do that. But for me personally, it was just so hard. And I felt like my voice in a way was not being heard, which is why I knew that path wasn't for me. But how has that been for you with reporting? It's definitely a tough balance to strike and it's all a part of the learning process. Mm -hmm. um, I think you just really, really need to believe in like the core values of journalism. Mm -hmm. And for me, it took going to an undergrad journalism program and really learning about the mm -hmm. ins and outs and like the theory of journalism. It, it's going to sound so nerdy, but like the traditional right. sense of like the fifth estate like what journalists are supposed mm -hmm. to do is like hold people in power mm -hmm. account to account and are accountable and I really believe in that mm -hmm. and I think once you wrap your mind around that you would never want to do anything that would make you seem anything but completely objective um, and so sometimes it is hard mm -hmm. for me it's mostly hard when there's a really difficult story, like right. reporting on a mass shooting mm -hmm. or a tragedy of some sort. Um, 
I find that a lot more difficult to keep my emotions in check. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like sad to say in a way, because you don't want to like suppress your emotions, but you do get used to it. And I've covered so much breaking news and so many different really hard, hard stories. Um, and at the beginning of my career, it was a really big learning curve. It would really affect me. Um, but now I, I don't let it affect me as much. And I just focus on the positive aspects of it or something that I learned or some bit of humanity. And I feel really fortunate that I get to be exposed to these really extreme forms of humanity. Like for example, when somebody goes through a tragedy and they're willing to talk to me about what they've been through with a family member that they've lost. Um, I once covered a really horrible story upstate and this family lost several members of their family. And I went it's the hardest part of my job, but you have to go often to these people's houses, knock on their door and like hope that they'll talk to you to talk about their family members. And it's, I always dread it because it's so sad and like, it's just really, you know, it's a hard thing to do. And this family opened the door, welcomed me in, asked if I wanted a cup of tea. We're showing me pictures. We're just like so touched to have an opportunity to share their loved one with me. And I learned so much from them and I was so touched. Like I'll never forget that family. Um, and I try to focus on that, like rather mm -hmm. than how difficult it is to cover the tragedy, which it is, I think about like this beautiful family who got mm -hmm. to share what they went through. Um, and that's sort of how I'm able to channel my empathy and my feelings like through a story like that. Mm -hmm. um, but it definitely is hard sometimes. Yeah, no, I bet. And I feel like that's one of the challenges of being a reporter. Is there a different, is there another like misconception you think people have when they think of journalists? Mm -hmm. I think the biggest one, honestly, is that we don't care. Um, mm. And, you know, if there's a, a breaking news story or tragedy or something, um, I think people think like, oh, those like reporters are just hounds. They're they're vultures, like trying to capitalize on somebody else's tragedy. Um, but I think that that's a huge misconception. And um, I know, I mean, from my own experience, from myself, I know that I'm not that, but also with the reporters that I work with, both at Inside Edition, but out in the field from other networks and shows, people really care and they're doing this job because they care and they care about the story I really believe in like the power of storytelling mm -hmm. and I would only ever cover a story that I really believed in generally mm -hmm. obviously sometimes you know there's things that you care less about or care more about right, when you right. just get a random assignment um but yeah I think that we're in this business because mm -hmm. we really care mm -hmm. and I know that you've pretty much worked your way up uh, the latter, I guess you can say, what has been the biggest highlight of your career thus far? Um, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I feel like people will laugh at this because they think I'm obsessed with Royals. Um, and I'm really not, but I do <laughs> think they're pretty cool. I think mm -hmm. it's like an, an interesting phenomenon. Um, I, and I was still a producer at this time. So when I was just a producer and not just a producer, producers are amazing. Mm -hmm. But um, when I was a producer and not doing much on camera work, I was asked 
to go to um, London to cover Harry and Meghan's wedding. Oh my back god! In, like 2018. Yeah. And I was so excited. And my boss said I could start doing some on-camera work there oh from god. London. Um, and so that was. I'd say that was like a pretty big turning point for me. That I had is, been doing, that's history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's something that I will never forget. And I was personally a big fan of Meghan Markle. <laughs> she was like lived in Canada. And yeah. I knew like I was a big fan of suits. And me I knew, too. Uh, grew up obviously thinking the Royals were very interesting. And it was a great opportunity from a career standpoint. And then it was also just really cool. So mm-hmm. I'd say that was a pretty big one. And then it was just a really fun week and a like, great mm-hmm. opportunity. And I got to be on camera a bunch mm-hmm. and, and just had such a great time. Yeah, that actually brings me to the question of what does your work schedule look like? Like if there is breaking news, would you just get a call randomly if you're currently not at work? Like how does that tell me, give yeah. me the insight to that. Yeah, basically, um, because we're a daily show that has mm-hmm. like a set time, we're on every night at 7pm and we're pre taped mm-hmm. each day. Um, it is a bit better than if I was to work for like a 24 hour right, news right. channel like CNN. Um, as amazing as that would be, um, the schedule is definitely a bit more manageable. But yeah, my phone can ring kind of at any time, especially usually early in the morning. Um, and it could be my boss saying, you know, go cover this story. This person's over here. This person is doing this big event, or we're going to try to ambush this person. So that's, you know, maybe somebody has done something or something to say about an issue. And it's my job to stick a microphone in their face and ask them about it when they're least expecting it. Um, so yeah, it, it can be like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not too bad. I like try to usually I don't know, get workouts done. I do it really early in the morning because like post 7am, usually my phone is ringing and I have to Mm. be at work or I have to go on a shoot somewhere. Um, And same thing with that night, like a million times I've had to cancel dinner reservations or plans Mm. with friends or that kind of thing. Um, But it always sort of evens out and I feel just really lucky to have the Mm -hmm. job that I do. And it's usually for something interesting or exciting um that I have to cancel a plan for (laughs) so you ever get recognized um (laughs) so I would have said no if we had done this interview a couple of months ago but for some reason only recently um, it's happened a couple of times and it's a very strange thing because I'm just not used to it and I (laughs) I don't think that I'm very recognizable but a couple of times people have come up to me on the street and say, Hey, I watch you on inside edition. Um, and, or like it, they've actually said a couple of times it's happened, right. Allison Hall. And I think like, <laughs> Oh my God, I don't know your name. Like, and I feel right. like, Oh, I must know this person. Mm. And then I kind of like have this done look on my face. And then he followed up. This guy was like, I watch you on inside edition. And I was like, Oh, right like it was it really caught me off guard and then it happens like a week later with a woman in a store like same kind of thing um so yeah it's so funny really nice yeah so I follow this girl on TikTok and she she like has to wake up early at 4 a.m and she does this like get ready with me it's like the funniest thing so for you because you have to be camera ready have you mastered skill of getting ready in like five minutes like what is that 
look like. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, my, I go to this gym and my gym friends like think it's so funny mm-hmm. because my, for any woman, I'm sure your hair is like the most important part <laughs> and it also is the most time consuming. Right. And so I have developed a really amazing technique of I don't shower. Okay. Um, love it. After my workout. And then I use dry shampoo mm-hmm. and I curl it and then I brush it. And I can basically go from like being in sweaty gym clothes, doing a quick rinse to like camera ready makeup and hair in like 10 minutes. Like so, so, so quickly. Yeah. Uh, and I always have makeup in my bag. So mm-hmm. even if I do like a really quick job in front of the mirror, I'll get to a shoot or to a location and I'll like throw on some lipstick and eyeliner. Like I also can fully do this. I feel like this is what the day I became a New Yorker. I can do liquid eyeliner in the backseat of a cab. Oh, yes. You're profesh. <laughs> yeah. So I just like, I can get my New York citizenship card mm-hmm. now. Well, I know that there's so much more to dive into and I can talk to you for days, but I know we're also crunched on time. So what, okay. When you first started this whole career path and when you moved to New York, right, what was your definition of success then? And as of today, as we are recording, how has that definition evolved, changed? What does it mean to you now? Uh, That is such a good question. And one that I have been thinking about a lot. And so at the time, like 10 years ago, all I wanted was to be on national TV and to be working for a news outlet and to be a reporter and to be meeting people and telling interesting stories and then being able to perform and to be on camera. And um, yeah, like that, that's basically what I'm doing now. And so I think also I recently turned 30 and, you know, everybody when that you turn 30 or you have any sort of a big birthday, you sort of like reflect on where mm-hmm. you've been, what you're doing. And it was a really nice like opportunity to reflect on if 21 year old Allison saw 30 year old Allison, like I would be really proud and really mm-hmm. happy. And I think that now my definition of success, now that I've reached what I would have thought of as successful back then and I still like, there are many mountains to still climb in this industry. I am no way at like the peak of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I still have like lots of professional goals, but I think I'm more so now I'm focused on doing something that, um, or making sure rather that in whatever I do moving forward, I'm passionate about it and I have balance. I think it's, there's a tendency for us to, just like have one track mind as you accurately pointed out I was like laser focused Mm -hmm. on getting to New York and that's how I've always been I was laser focused on getting to New York I was laser focused on getting on national television and it was always about the next step the next step I'll be happy when I get this I'll be happy when I get Mm -hmm. that and then now I have these things and I am happy but I'm actually just trying to enjoy it and to be grateful for the opportunities that I've had and be grateful for the job that I get to do every day Mm -hmm. because I worked really hard to get here. And if I was always just going, okay, I'm not successful enough. I need to be on CNN or the today show Mm -hmm. or whatever, Mm -hmm. then it takes away from what you already have. Um, And so I'm just trying to enjoy it and to make time for family Mm -hmm. and friends Mm -hmm. and 
my dog and my fiance and, and just sort of enjoy the ride rather than always looking towards the next thing. I'm nodding in agreement because I feel like it's so hard for so many of us to do that, to be present. Because even in a busy city like New York, you're always thinking about the next thing. You're even thinking about like, what am I going to have for dinner? Like you're thinking about like the next day and then on a bigger scope, right? Like where am I going to be in a year, two years, three years? Or we're like dwelling on the past and thinking of like, okay, maybe I regret doing X, Y, and Z. If I took the, this path, I would have been somewhere else. But it's so hard for us to be like, wait, let's just take a step back and appreciate and celebrate, like you said, the little wins, the little steps. Like, honestly, you showing up today, big kudos to you. Like <laughs> us recording this, it's a big deal, right? But like, we don't think about that. We're just like, yeah, whatever. It's just part of a thing that we're going to check off our list. So I love that you mentioned that. And maybe it has something to do with the pandemic as well, which allowed us to all really reflect and put everything into perspective. And my podcast is called The City Confessions. So I would love, Allison, for you to share a confession with all of us, whether that relates to being a reporter or a New Yorker or a Canadian, anything that you feel comfortable with. Oh, um, you don't have to use this because I'm genuinely curious. What like mm-hmm. sort of confessions do other people say? No, people ask me this all the time. It could be anything yeah. and everything. Like some people have said like the more common ones are like, you know, I'm actually really, really insecure about X, Y, and Z, or like I experience imposter syndrome on a daily basis, especially talking to like entrepreneurs, or it could be something like a fun fact or a weird fact or like something like really, really silly that they do that they're like embarrassed about. <laughs> so it could be yeah. like any of those. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. I am having a tough time thinking of it off the top of my head. Totally Literally the only thing side. that's, well, mm-hmm. the only thing that's coming to mind because I recently did this and it really reminded me that I love this. Um, but basically in New York, as everybody knows, you're basically never alone mm-hmm. and you're always surrounded by people. Even if you're walking down the street alone, there's like 20 other people on that same street. And I love that about the city, but it's also really important to carve out time and space to be completely alone. So a couple of weeks ago, it was pouring rain, like torrential mm-hmm. downpour. And I went for a walk in Central Park in the rain. I wore a rain jacket and like put my hood up. And I swear I was one of the only people in that huge, amazing park. And it was so cathartic and wonderful. I was like, oh, I wish it rained more so that I could take like a completely solo walk Mm -hmm. in this park. But it really reminded me that as much as I love the hustle and bustle of New York, it's also a really special place to just be alone and to like connect with yourself and with the city and that doesn't always mean to me usually connecting with the city means like going to the restaurants and going to Broadway and seeing my friends here and going to this bar but it can also mean just like sitting and being alone in either nature or one of the very special places that exist in the city. Honestly, a walk in Central Park on a rainy day sounds lovely. Like I know some people are like, I never would, (laughs) but like, I love that. I think it's so important because it can work both ways. People 
can think that if you're in the city, you're never alone, but it can also be like the loneliest place, right? But then totally. on the flip side, it's like, it's also like you're surrounded by so many people, but the most important relationship you have is with yourself. So it's also important to carve that time out. So I think that's a beautiful totally. confession. And then I end my podcast with a quick fire round of New York City questions. Ooh, um, so I have five quick questions. You can answer it with the first word or phrase that comes to your mind. So what uh, if you can describe New York City in one word, what would it be? Energetic. What's your favorite thing about New York? The people. Your least favorite thing? The rats. <laughs> Me too. Your uh, go-to like spot or restaurant? Uh, Fairfax. Okay. I haven't been there actually. And yeah. um, if you can thank New York City for one thing, what would it be? Oh. It's given me everything, my life, literally my life. Mm -hmm. I met my fiance here. I pursued my career here, all of my friends here. I found myself here. Like I would not have the life that I have at all without the city. Oh my God. I love that so much. Okay. So I know that you, well, actually right now is your chance to plug away. I don't know if you have anything that is coming up that you can tease for us or where can people find you? Just plug away. Yeah. Yeah. Follow me on Instagram. I have a podcast myself, but it's mm -hmm. uh, dormant right now because I have a lot going on. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, find me on Instagram at Allison Hall reporting. Um, I'm on TikTok as well. Same name, <laughs> same Twitter. And yeah, it's, it's a fun place to be. Amazing. And one more question. Um, can you tell us what your superpower is? Ooh, resilience. Mm, I love that. I feel like New Yorkers need to be resilient and like you 100%. are hundred New Yorker now. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy, busy day to come speak with me. Also, we coordinated this really spontaneously. So <laughs> I appreciate you saying yes. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. It was really interesting for me to get to know you and I'm going to have all of Alice's information in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. And with that being said, thank you again, Allison. And I hope you all have a beautiful day and stay tuned for next week's episode. All right, bye. Thank you, bye.